I am reading from The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. And there's a lot in the bookstore, and I've been told they're $10 each. You are magnetic. Each of us is a magnet. And as a magnet, you do not have to force success and prosperity to yourself. Instead, you can develop that exalted, expectant, prosperous state of mind that is a magnet for all good things. That is a magnet for all good things of the universe to hasten to you, rather than entertaining the tense, critical, anxious, depressed, unforgiving, possessive state of mind that is a magnet for all kinds of trouble and failure. Since you can have the tangible and intangible equivalent to whatever you dare to choose, mentally entertain and radiate. Stop thinking of things as apart from your or outside yourself. Stop thinking that people, things, circumstances, and conditions have power to hurt or harm you. Start realizing that nothing can stand between you and that good that you dare to choose mentally and radiate outward through your thoughts, feelings, words, and experiences. Choose and radiate mentally. Choose and radiate emotionally. Choose and radiate constantly and persistently to attract your own good and the good for others. Good morning and welcome. I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron. I'm going to invite you to, if you'd like to stand with me and sing a prayer. It is a prayer we sing. And share a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room and so what I invite you to know with me this morning there is one One. Only one. And we are that one. So let us stand together in the remembrance of that. Let us put down whatever is unlike that in this moment. Let us be open and available to the conversation that is not only going on that we hear with our ears, but let us hear with our hearts this day. Let, we, let us listen to that conversation of our intuition, of our deep knowing. Let us open to that possibility, to that conversation in a new way. Let us be available in that openness of giving and receiving to let the blessings that allow us to take our next step, make our next choice, make our new decision this day, whatever it may be, 
Whatever, wherever we are in our process, let us know it's right and perfect, that we are supported in every way possible. Let us celebrate the blessings of this day in gratitude and appreciation, ears to hear, eyes to see, to be able to taste the sweetness of life, to smell the aromas, to hug one another, to say welcome and farewell. And so with all that and so much more that blesses us each day, let us give thanks knowing those blessings and the blessings that we prepare ourselves for in this moment are all the gifts from the one. And we are that one. And so I give thanks. I invite you as we release this to say together, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Brown. Beautiful. As Jennifer mentioned in her reading, we have these, these wonderful books by Catherine Ponder. It's a really an old classic called The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. And we bought enough of them so that we are made available in the bookstore. I know a number of you have already purchased them. But they're, they're $10, which is a really great... I bought one at Ascendant because I needed to get prepared before the books came in. It was $23. So I just want to let you know that uh, part of our way to give is to be able to share our good with you and, um, and make it available to as many people as possible. So today I'm, I'm pulling some things from Catherine Ponder's wonderful book. And I thought that activating the laws of prosperity might be a good place to start. Because it's, we all know the ideas, but how do we activate? We talked about it last week. These are laws. And how do we continue to activate the laws? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Our opportunity to be on this planet, to be alive, to be here together, our opportunity is not to discover ourselves, but it is to create ourselves. So we're not here to... Part of the discovery is, of course, creating ourselves. But I think when we start to you know, find ourselves, which was very popular and it's still popular in some quarters, is really about we are creating ourselves moment by moment with each thought. If you noticed, uh, watch the U.S. elections, and when Obama had the, uh, the opportunity to speak about what his, his minister, that he'd been a member of this church for 20 years and his minister had gotten up and the, that clip was all over the Internet about this, this, his pastor ranting and raving about a, some, some issues. And it was so beautiful when Obama said that he decided, his, his handlers talked about it and said that, you know, we, didn't, we thought we would should, should just maybe ignore it and it would go away. And he said, no, I want to speak to this because this is important. And if this is the, in me speaking to this, if I, I'm not elected, I'm okay with that. But what he said, which was quite wonderful and quite brilliant, and I think was one of the turning points for him, is he said what Reverend Wright, who was his pastor, failed to mention in his, in his sermon was that when we perceive life as static, in other words, that nothing changes, we, we can fall into that position. And he said, we must look back over history and realize the shifts and changes that have taken place. Life isn't static. And for all of us, and I mean, I'm preaching, preaching to the choir here, you know change is inevitable, that our lives have shifted and changed and continue to do that. But as we choose to create our lives, we have some influence into how they unfold. We don't control the universe. We don't control others around us. But we can choose in each moment how we will filter that in our own awareness, those experiences. And so where we place our energy, where we give our time, because the most precious thing we have is our, uh, is our energy. The most precious thing we have is our consciousness. So where do we extend that and how do we reflect, how do we internalize the things that are going on? And as we continue to become ma more masterful at that and become clearer about that, then our life reflects it. It's very simple. But it truly is the work that we do as metaphysicians. So we're not here to discover ourselves, but to create ourselves. That life is not static, 
There's a quote by Dojin Zenji, Japanese avatar. He said, delusion happens when we see all that is when we see all that is from the viewpoint of ourselves. This is when delusion happens, when all, everything is about us. And we start there. And for most people, they start there and they never leave there. He said, enlightenment happens when we see ourselves from the viewpoint of the things in nature. Which really tied in beautifully when I found this quotation this week. The idea of spaciousness. I've talked a great deal about that over the last several weeks, but this moving into the spaciousness. To stop that left brain obsessive thinking long enough to step out of that into the spaciousness. And we can do that through spiritual practice. We can do that through meditation. We do it when someone gets up and sings a beautiful song. We go into the spaciousness if we're present with the music. We can still obsess in the song, but once we're captured by the music and we're listening to all the instrumentation around it, it creates spaciousness. It takes us out of that. It's like looking at a beautiful sunset or a beautiful moon. Did anybody see the, the meteorite that came through the other night? Did you, um, uh, the musicians came in. We were doing some, uh, we had a, a, a process we were doing with the musicians and, and a few of them, Cash, I think, had seen a bit of it. And it was amazing, the meteorite that came over. But it really pulls us out of that sense of you know, our, our day-to-day for a moment. And say, hmm, there's something else going on here. <clears throat> so in the larger view of this, we are, we are better able to stay open to the practice of giving and receiving, open to the mystery of abundance that informs all circumstances. When we move into the spaciousness, this whole thing around prosperity, this whole thing around abundance is really stepping out. I think it's most effective for us when we step out of this idea of self and we move into the spaciousness and we realize there's a bigger activity going on here. There's something larger that's happening. So I'm going to share with you some ideas around that I think are helpful and beneficial at times because sometimes we're so trapped in our current circumstances, it's difficult for us to shift out of that. We've got to fix it. Things are going sideways. Things are going backwards. All these things can happen. And those may be the facts in the moment. But to perpetuate that through worry and concern, I don't think is, is as effective as some other possibilities. So I want to share, I want to weave a story with you uh, in today because I think it's a wonderful story that reflects this idea of giving and receiving. There was a, there was a Hindu, it's a Hindu story. It's a young boy and his name is Abu. And Abu is a young boy and one day he goes up and he asks his mother for a drum. He'd love to have a drum. And his mother doesn't have a drum. They don't have much of anything. So his mother grabs uh, this, this stick and says, Abu, I don't have a drum, but she very sadly gives him the stick. And so he's a little boy and he's looking at the stick and he's sort of captured by it and he doesn't really know what to do with it, but he's got the stick now. He asked his mom for the drum and he got the stick. And so he wanders along and he finds ways to play with it. You know, he's, he's scratching the ground with it and all these things. Now it's important to know, Catherine Ponder talks about in the, the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, the, the, the universe, nature abhors a vacuum. And I wanted to be clear about what abhor means because I thought, you know, we use that word that the universe abhors a, ba- a vacuum or nature abhors a vacuum. And it actually means that nature hates, detests a vacuum. It always fills. Wherever there's space within our lives, so if we want to activate, if we want a new, a new experience, we need to move and shift to create room for something new because it always shows up. So whatever we have to do, is, as Catherine says, we have to get rid of what you don't want to make room for what you do want. So we begin moving the tangibles and intangibles out of our lives, excuse me, in the faith that we can really have what we desire. We start doing this. We start simple things. We start cleaning out closets. We start giving things away. I came in today and someone had left a uh, Murray Gibbs who's down with our teens. We have 45 teens here in the basement. We're going to bring them up at the end. We didn't want to scare everybody at once. They have the absolute truth machines going on here. They actually wanted to be inside there handing things out when you went up to, 
but uh, we, we talked him out of that one. Might get a little claustrophobic after a few, uh, after 40 minutes of it. So we have, but we have to get rid of the things in order to make new. And it's not just around cleaning closets out. It's also this entrenched, these entrenched ideas, whatever they may be. If they're creating good in our lives, but they're limiting our great, then it might be time for them to go. So it's that constant, constant recycling, staying fresh with our thinking. And she says, Catherine Ponder also says in this wonderful book that new substances do not flow easily into cluttered situations. New substances do not flow easily. They'll flow, but it's a little more difficult. So if your thinking is cluttered, if you're scattered and you're, you know, that's why it's important to step into the spaciousness and listen to the conversation. That's why spiritual practice is so important. I think if we're on this path, we should have as many spiritual practices available to us readily as we can possibly think of. We need to have our, our toolbox full of things that allow us. Maybe it's affirmations, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's ways, maybe it's movement. I'm reading Gabriel Ross' book, Sweat Your Prayers, right now, and her whole modality is about movement, about being open, and to the ecstasy. It's just an amazing, amazing book. So new substances do not flow easily into a cluttered situation. So here's a boo, he's got a stick, and he's wandering along, and he's scratching the ground, and he's, you know, and he's not upset about it, and he's just got a stick. Asked for a drum, got a stick. And he comes upon this, this um, woman that's trying to start a fire. And she, he's watching her for a while, and she's gonna, she wants to bake some bread, but she can't start her fire. And so he's looking at his stick, and he realizes this stick is pretty dry. It might help. So he says, here, use this. And so the woman takes the stick, and she breaks it up, and she puts it in, and she uses it as kindling for the oven. And before you know it, she's, she's, she has baked these beautiful loaves of bread. And so she's out of... Out of uh, her generosity gives Abu half a loaf of bread. And so all of a sudden he doesn't have a stick, but he's got a half a loaf of bread. And he puts it under his arm and he's walking along. He's not particularly hungry, but he's got, now he's got a half a loaf of bread. And so he's moving along and he's not worried about problems. Catherine Ponder says, what problems persist? Forgiveness is always the answer. I know you just, isn't it tough we've got to do this forgiveness work? Isn't it just, man, if we could just do this without forgiving, wouldn't it be great? But what happens when we hang on to those things, and, and a lot of it is self-forgiveness. We hang on to the mistakes we've made. We do, but the things show up in our lives and all of a sudden, you know, one of the downfalls of this tradition is we lose people to blame. You know, every, we're responsible for our own experience and all of a sudden our own experience is, is sort of not, not good. Who do you blame? So, but it's the forgiveness. Forgiveness is the answer. Forgiveness to let go is, forgiveness is to let go of old ideas, feelings of conditions that give something so that something better can come into our, into our experience. So giving, giving for, as she says, giving for is a process that forms a vacuum that makes way for the new good to rush in as we create that space and allow those things to happen. So Abu is walking along with his loaf of bread and he really doesn't know what to do. He still sort of would like a drum and he got a stick, but he's, no, he's got a half a loaf of bread and he walks along and he finds this woman. And the woman is there and her little boy is crying. He's hungry. And she's a potter. She's a potter's wife. And so Abu says, you know, and I'm not hungry. And the kid's crying and looks like he's hungry. So he gives the half a loaf of bread to the mom and the baby. And they eat and they're very happy. And so out of the, her generosity, she gives Abu a pot. And he doesn't really need a pot. You know, he's a kid looking for a drum. He's okay, and he's got the pot, and he's walking along. And he's, all of a sudden, as he's, he's moving along, he comes upon a husband and wife, and they're quarreling. They're arguing, and they're at the river. He gets down by the river by his village, and all of a sudden, the husband and wife are, you know, screaming at each other. It turns out they've, she dropped the pot. 
and he's blaming her and they can't do what they need to do without a pot. So Boo says, well, here, have the pot. And so they're quite happy. Wow, this is great. We've got it and a new pot, a bigger pot. And so out of gratitude, the husband said, offers him a, a coat. And Abu says, great, got a coat. One of the things that, that Catherine Ponder recommends about forgiveness is that each day, you know, we used to have the, the, it used to be, if you were around in those days, I was around, we had the radical forgiveness circle. And there are facilitators that do radical forgiveness. And radical forgiveness is a wonderful activity. People get together in a big group and they do this forgiveness process. And it's quite lovely. The challenge with that is always for, as I see it, the challenge for myself, and I hear it often, and I think one of the pitfalls that we can fall into as we do our our work, as we walk along this path, is people will say to me many times, well, we're going to do this sort of thing. Say, we're going to do a forgiveness workshop, and people will typically say, oh, I've already done that. I've done all that work. I'm, I'm complete with that. But if we look back over the course of history and look at all the great teachers, the teacher Jesus of Nazareth said that forgive seven times 70, which means a lot of times. Rumi, the, the uh, Sufi poet, said that each, each event, is, there's 70,000 veils that must be lifted, is the way Rumi put it. But he was a poet. And he said each one has to be lifted individually and lifted in a way that it doesn't tear and put aside. He was talking about the same thing, this idea of forgiveness. So I don't know if we ever... I don't know if it's legitimate to say I've done that work because what I find is that even though I've done forgiveness work and I've been, I'm committed to it, that I always find something new to forgive. Has anybody else had that experience? It's just me, yeah. There always seem to, to be a new, and, and most of the time it's me. There's a wonderful prayer on page 47 in the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. It's a short one. There's beautiful affirmations and prayers in here. And I want to share this with you because I, I just think it's a gem. And she uses the G word a lot because she wrote back in the, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, which is the God word. But you can insert whatever word you'd like there. Spirit, presence, the beloved. She says that, that, presence, <clears throat> that God's forgiving love has set us free. Divine love now produces perfect results and all is again well between us. I behold you with the eyes of love and I glory in your success, prosperity, and complete good. She's talking about forgiveness. She's talking about the people you're having trouble with. You don't even have to go up and tell them this. They don't even have to know. But energetically, they'll know, and it'll shift and change you. To w- wish somebody well, wish them well. Bless them and wish them well. Because the resenting of them just keeps you stuck. It just keeps us stuck in our, and I, and, and I don't have the luxury of being stuck anymore. I realize that. You know, it's, it's kind of good being able to be re- re- resentful for so long. But then I realized that where I wanted to go, that, that, the ticket that I had was not going to get me there. It is good to declare yourself, I am forgiven and governed by God's love alone and all as well. And there's wonderful, you know, it's a book full of great little gems and things that, I mean, you can take, you could take a paragraph in this, or a, or a small story in this book and work with it for a week of spiritual practice. Love this book. And so, it's important for us to do our forgiveness work, to put it down. And, you know, when you find yourself saying, oh, I've done that work, there may be another level, there may, may be another depth. Of, of being able to do that. Just the possibility. So Abu now has a coat. And he's walking along. He's still down by the river. And he comes to a bridge. And all of a sudden he sees a guy there. And this guy is shaking. He's quivering. He's shaking. He's bruised. And he's holding the reins of a horse. And so Abu says, well, what's, what's up? And he said, well, I was riding along on my horse. And I, was, I, was, uh, I ran into some bandits. 
and they, they beat me up. They took everything but my horse. And he, he said, now I'm just sitting here by the river and I'm cold and I'm shivering and I'm, I'm sad. And so Abu says, well, I have a coat. And he gives him the coat. And the man is just so grateful that he puts the coat on and he, he says, well, he gives Abu the, the reins to the horse. He said, here, I want to give you a horse. He says, okay. So he, the little boy doesn't know how to ride a horse. He's never been on a horse. So he's leading him along the river and walking towards town. Figuring, oh, you know, I, I was hoping for a drum. Now I've got a horse. So he's moving along. And he comes into town with his horse. And he finds a, uh, a wedding party. There's, a, there's a, uh, a wedding party sitting there. And the bridegroom is sitting there. And they all have long faces. So Abu says, you know, what's going on? You all look very sad. And he said, well, I'm here for my wedding. And the, the tradition, our tradition is that the, the bridegroom rides into the wedding on a horse. And the horse hasn't shown up yet. And Abu says, hey, I've got a horse. You can have my horse. So he gives him. He says, here, take it. What am I going to do with a horse? And so, uh, and, and at the wedding party, there's all the musicians. Imagine that, musicians at a wedding party. And so there's a musician over there. Where did Greg go? He disappeared. There's a drummer there. And the, the, the bridegroom is so happy. Now they can do the wedding. And he said, what? What can I offer you? in gratitude for this. And Abu looks over and he sees all the drums around the drummer and he said, well, and he picks the smallest drum. He said, if I could have that small drum there, I would be so happy. And so the musician and the bridegroom just are delighted they give him this small drum. And he wanders off. He heads home with the drum. Tells his mom the story. So it's a, it's a wonderful story of the ability to release and let go, to not be attached to all the things that we have to have. That you know, we, we get something into our lives and we think, this is it. I had a wonderful discussion the other day with one of my prayer partners. And they're having this amazing experience in relationship. And they're savoring it and all these things. But now the concern, now that the relationship has showed up, the worry has, the worry has shifted from, is it ever going to happen, to, I hope it never ends. And I said, isn't it interesting how we can do this? And this is someone that has been invested in spiritual practice for years and years and years. And I, it's not a criticism because I can certainly do the same thing. But I said, maybe the gift is to just revel in the moment and to bless what's there and to be so available to the experience. And maybe that's it. And maybe if it was more permanent, maybe if it looked like forever, it wouldn't have the qualities that make it so rich and wonderful. Just a thought. It kind of came to me. I don't know where it came from, but it seemed like it made sense at the time. So this story, our story, this wonderful Hindu story, you know, we can look at this and we can say, well, first of all, Abu asked for the, he asked for a drum from his mom and he got a stick. Now I was raised, this was my story. This is where my story ended as a kid, is that, is that not getting what we want, but accepting what we're given. You know, you, you can't have that, but this is what you're given. And that was the story I was raised with. And it's not a bad story. It's just a part of the story. That's a wonderful part of the story. It's the way it starts. Or we can look at it, the, the story could end, he, gets the, the, he gives the stick because she needs to start the fire to bake the bread. And then all of a sudden the story is about giving something up, sacrificing. I gave up my one and only stick so you could have a fire. And it's, it's about altruism, which is another part of that story. Or we could, we could end the story with Abu gets a half a loaf of bread. And this is a really great story about it. He gave something of value. He got something of value back. And trading what is timely and usable. 
That's a good story, part of our story. But the longer, the wonderful gift in this story, if we look at it at a higher level, if we, if we elevate our, our perspective on it, is that the longer we let the relationship unfold, the more we see how everything goes together and how answering the needs of others depends on how we accept what we're given as unexpected medicine, even if it's not what we want. So I'm going to read you where I, I got this story out of Mark Nepo's book, The Facing the Lion, Being the Lion, and we have, we're going to get some of these into the bookstore. We haven't uh, gotten them in yet. Because isn't it, what if we have the perspective that none of this is ours? None of this is ours. What if everything we have is just a way for us to, to, to give the gift to someone else along the way? What if, and of course we all have what's ours by right of consciousness. This isn't saying we don't have things in our life. Doesn't mean we don't have, you know, where you are in your life, have your income, have your... But what if all the gifts are really designed so that we can share them in a way that allows others to live their dreams? And if we're open to that and we're active in that, then we're receptive to people sharing with us what is, what is right and perfect for us. Nepal writes in this book about the story of the, in the, in the North American Indians, uh, this idea of Indian giver. And he said, it's an interesting thing because that culture doesn't look at possession the way we look at it in our culture. What they do is they realize that if someone has a need, that's available to everyone. So this idea of possession is just a different, it's a different perspective. I think it's a, it's a larger perspective of saying, you know, there's need here now, so I can share that there. But what Nepo says is that often this courage to wait and let the fabric of the universe reveal itself dissolves our individual sense of ownership into a sense of guardianship over gifts that no one owns. In this larger fabric, gifts rush through the universe, moving from one place of need to another in a pattern too big to really see, in much the same way that blood rushes to a place of injury in the body. This humble story allows, allowed to unfold lets us recognize that unexpected gifts that come our way might not be for us. It might be that like the Hindu boy, we are called to carry it to another. We might, we might be the one exchange along the way and the one exchange from realizing how we are all connected. I just think that this is a wonderful illustration of how sometimes we can end the story before it gets a chance to unfold. That there's all kinds of wonderful things and if we live in this perspective that, hmm, isn't this interesting? I wanted, to, I wanted the drum and I got the stick. I gave the stick to make the fire. I got the loaf of bread. I got the loaf of bread and... I fed the hungry child, got the pot, got the pot, was given the jacket, given the coat, gave the coat away, got the horse, gave the horse away, got the drum. But if we stop anywhere along the line in the story, I think it becomes limiting. So how do we create that? How do we activate that law to stay open to that, to that possibility, to that, to that experience? Nepo says this, I love this. If you remember one line today, I think this might be a good one. He said, I have learned that, that only in use does the gift continue to heal. Only in use does the gift continue to heal. We had, by the way, this amazing, amazing uh, gala a couple weeks ago. And we're going we're gonna to find a date and we're going to announce it again and let you know it was very successful. We want to do it again next year. We're going to do it a little differently in terms of our program. But we, it was such a great experience. And part of what we're doing is because we know that our vision for what we look like is in terms of how we meet and those things could be be different. And I realize, you know, all we want to do is, is, is collect enough good in our life so that we can pass that on. That our doing this is also a continuation. It's not about hoarding. It's not about a compiling a bunch. It's just simply saying, okay, 
This is the vision. This is the mission. Let's let greater good into our lives. Let's let the story unfold because we don't know. And sometimes the story seems huge and unattainable. The larger version of the story shows us how staying in relationship and staying open to a continual practice of giving and receiving opens the mystery of abundance that informs all circumstances, even when we feel blinded by our own need. Especially when we're blinded by our own need, because it's easy to do that when we're in crisis financially, is to, to lose perspective of, of the bigger picture. As I start, began, we are here to, to discover ourselves. Not to find ourselves. We are here to, we're here to create ourselves, I'm sorry. We're here to create ourselves, not to discover ourselves. And the universe is not static. But some, many argue it is. This is the condition, this is what it is, and I can't change it. But there are practices, there are ways of being on the, on the, and nurturing oneself and honoring oneself. And then self becomes the gift. As you get healthier, as you get clearer, as you get brighter, you become a gift wherever you go. And then your capacity and ability to give and receive shifts and changes. And there's a bigger opportunity. There's a bigger story going on. I went, Laura and I went and had, uh, went and had dinner with Danny Hooper and his, uh, his lovely girlfriend, Tamara, uh, last week. And while we were in the restaurant, I went to the men's room. And this young man comes in and he's wearing a fedora and he's wearing a tuxedo. And so I said, hey, what's the occasion, man? You're looking sharp. And he said, I just graduated from the U of A. And I said, well, congratulations. So we got talking, and he was, he's from a, a First Nations uh, group, and I don't remember which affiliation. But he said, I'm the, I'm the third one out of 158 that has ever completed secondary education. I said, that's fantastic. Good for you. And so we talked a little bit more, and I went back to the table, and I told Danny. Now, Danny, if you know, has a radio show in the morning. And I told Danny the story. So Danny got up and went over to the table, and he said, tell me your name. I want to announce this. And he said, Let me, and he said well, if you could say hi to my mom, that would be great. And, and, and so he said, you know, I've decided I'm going to get my master's. But he said, the lesson for me is that, and he was there with his aunt, and he said, my aunt is my hero. She was the one that said, go to school and get an education. And she said, and he said to me, you know, the one lesson I've learned, we weren't even soliciting this, it was just, he was just pouring out of him. But he said that the, the one lesson I learned is that if you have one person that believes in you, you can accomplish anything. If you have one person that, that is your advocate, you can achieve anything. And I thought, isn't this true of what we teach here? You know, if you're struggling with something, if you're stuck in something, work with a practitioner. Have somebody support you into a new idea. It, won't, it probably won't happen immediately, but it shifts and changes you and the growing and the learning and the opening. Because I think working with someone and saying, I need help, is such a powerful gift to yourself and to another. But this young man standing, his name is Derek Thunder. So Danny, I didn't get up early enough to hear it because Danny's on the radio and we're usually doing other things early in the morning. But uh, he said, I'm gonna, I'll say hi to your family and your friends and, and congratulate you. And, and, and Danny talked about it too, that how that can, that was just, it went on and on. I'll do a, a talk about the whole thing one day. I need to write about it, I guess. So the question is for you and I, are we able to stay open to the larger relationship, to the continued practice of giving and receiving, open to the mystery of abundance that informs all circumstances, even when they are, we are blinded by their need, when we're blinded by our own needs? So that's the question. So as we move out in this week, let's take that with us. Let's understand something larger showing up. So when the good shows up in our life, is it for us or maybe it's, we're carrying it for someone else? You know, maybe the money that we have in our experience is really, we're, we're hanging on to that and we're being good stewards of that because there's some great thing that will show up in our lives where we can be abundant and, and full enough so that we can use some of that for a greater good. 
See, that's what abundance is for. Abundance is not for hoarding. It's for doing greater good, for doing greater work on the planet. And so to open to that and put down, to do the forgiveness work, because I think the, it has to start with the forgiveness work. We activate these laws, but we have to, we have to set a foundation of, of possibility where it's ripe and powerful and possible. Without that, we can do all the practices. But if there's no room for a new idea, if the cup is so full that it won't hold another drop, it's pointless. And so it is.